I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. I just want to start out by saying I really, really appreciate all of the condolences that um, many of you have sent and all your prayers and well wishes for um, for me, for my husband, and for his mother, my mother-in-law, and the rest of the family and the loss of my father-in-law. Um, very much appreciated. It's The support from the Twilters is always wonderful. Uh, everybody is doing okay. Um, my husband is doing okay. I spoke with my mother-in-law today again, and although she is still in the process of having to inform some folks, some distant relatives uh, who had not yet gotten the word yet, so that, you know, keeps it a little bit fresh um, for her. She's doing okay. Everything's, you know, about what you can expect. So again, I really appreciate that so many of you have been thinking and um, emailing me and, and tweeting me, leaving messages on Facebook. Very much appreciated. Um, thank you. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 196 in which we went on retreat and also talk borders. I have really, really long titles these days, I guess. I'm recording this on Wednesday, I think it is, February 10th, 2016, um, sort of in a pause moment between nights of conference calls and being out of town, etc., etc., um, but I thought I would try to knock out an episode this week before yet another week went by. Fortunately, this weekend is my last little jaunt out of town. Um, for a little while. March is pretty ugly, but the rest of February is is pretty low-key, which will be nice. Um, so I want to say thank you to all of you who are, thank you to all of you who are listeners, um, which would apparently be everybody who's listening to this episode right now. Um, thank you to those of you who have been around a while, as well as those of you who I would classify as the newbies. Um, those of you who are just starting up, I know there's a lot of people who do like to go back to the very beginning and listen to all five years worth of episodes. Let me tell you right now, I'm doing you a favor by not posting all that frequently these days. <laughs> that, that gives you time to catch up with all of the years that I did actually post fairly regularly, if not always. But in any case, um, I'm going to probably be cutting you a whole lot of slack in March and early April because there's a lot of travel and just a boatload of stinking evening conference calls um, those two months. So my ability to get out episodes will be strictly limited, so I can't really predict at this point. But hopefully I'll give you a couple more in the next few weeks and then we'll go through a dry period. Unfortunately, right in the middle of that, of course, is my five-year anniversary. Um, I might have to put off the anniversary celebration until the end of April because actually on my fifth year podcast anniversary, I will actually be in Myanmar, in Burma. So no podcasting going on then. Um, I'm rambling. Apologies. In any case, this episode, I've got a couple of announcements to make, a little bit of an update on my schedule. Not much. I already told you a lot of it. And 
then I get to talk about some stuff I did actually get done quilty-wise when I was on retreat last weekend. Um, and just a little bit of a few thoughts about choosing borders. That's kind of my plan. We'll see if I stick to it. Okay, so the first announcement is that I did finally draw the winner of my 2016 Quilty Resolutions Challenge. I'm sorry it took me a little while to get to that, but I did get to it. And I want to give a big shout out and a hip hip hooray. I hope you'll all join me in cheering Mary K, not Mary K as in cosmetics, but Mary initial K. Um, who won the challenge. She was the one that I drew. Uh, she is going to finish up a few different things to clean her quilty house as my challenge went this year, including a project named A to Z for you and me, and you is spelled E-W-E. And I have to say anything with sheep I find intriguing. So you're just going to have to um, let me know what that project actually is, Mary Kay, because I'm really curious. Uh, so I have sent you an email, Mary. If you could get back to me with your mailing address, I will get that in the mail next week. Um, and just a note about that, I'm actually really excited about the uh, what I've got to give for the giveaway this time. I know I never did manage to get it on the website, a picture of it, and that's because I decided I didn't like anything I already had available for giveaways. So um, while I was on retreat, which I will be talking about in a minute, I did um, hit an LQS or two, and I was able to pick up a really adorable collection of Fat Quarters. Well, a collection that I formed. I think some of them might be from the same fabric line. I'm not sure, but I chose some that I really liked the way they look together, and they're just fun and cute and springy or summery, which given the snow that's blowing outside my window right now, felt really good, so I can't wait to get those in the mail to you, Mary. So email me. Okay, um, so yes, last weekend I did go on a quilt retreat. I'll talk about that more in a moment. This coming weekend, actually tomorrow, I leave uh, because I'm going on a long weekend vacation with my husband. This was sort of a last-minute thing. <laughs> we... Uh, as you may recall, a couple of weeks ago, I went away for the weekend with my husband for his birthday. We had um, put it off for a weekend. Originally, we were going to be going out, going away the weekend before, but with his father passing and the funeral, we put it off for a weekend. So that weekend, we uh, while we were away, we looked at our upcoming vacation schedules, and we had a choice between February and May, between his travel schedule and mine. And... Um, Really, May works better for a full week vacation, but he really didn't want to wait that long. He, he needs to go away on a fairly regular basis. He really likes to just get out of town as often as possible. Uh, so we decided to squeeze in a long weekend, Thursday through Sunday, and we're um, going to New York City. And for those of you who don't live in these parts, even though I live in New York State, I'm closer to Cleveland, Ohio, than I am to New York City. Um, plus, I'm just not a fan of, well, I mean, who wants to drive in New York City? Most of the people that live in New York don't have cars. Uh, but, I, you know, I kind of like New York City, but it's not really my favorite big city. So I don't tend to want to go down there. I've been maybe down there a couple of times in my life, maybe three times all in. Um, maybe four, I guess, if you include my childhood years. Uh, but 
recently we have been talking quite a bit about he and I going down there, um, just the two of us. It's it's easier for me to think about enjoying a weekend in New York when it's just my husband and I than when it was when our kids were younger and I was worried about losing them in crowds. I used to stress stress a lot about vacationing with my kids in crowded places. Really didn't like doing that. Um, we did take them to New York once. Uh, we just kind of did a quick day trip as we were doing a tour of New York City for one, I'm sorry, New York State for one of their spring break vacations when they were in, I think, middle school age. Uh, so we did take a train into New York City for one day. Um, and it was, it was okay. Uh, I was definitely a little stressed about losing them in the crowds. So that was about all I could handle at that point. Uh, but, you know, I don't have to worry about losing my husband in the crowds because he knows to stay with me and not disappear on me. <laughs> One would hope. Anyway, uh, our joke, though, is that we're, we're vacationing like it's 1935 because we are taking the train to New York City from uh, Rochester, where I live. It's a six something, six hours plus uh, train ride going in one direction and eight hours come in going back. I don't remember which one is which, whether it's six going down or eight going down or six coming back or eight coming back. But in any case, there's a two hour difference. And that's only because of the number of stops you make. I think it's probably longer going down because coming back is a Sunday. So I think that'll be a faster trip. Um, not as many, you know, commuter type stops or whatever. Uh, so that'll, you know, that does mean we can fly to New York in an hour, but by the time you're in the airport and leaving the airport, and then you have to get a taxi from the airport to the hotel, whereas the train station is much closer to the hotel, all in, it's probably about six hours <laughs> when you fly, maybe, maybe four, you know, when you count all the time getting to the airport and going through security and all that kind of stuff. Um, but in any case, the nice thing about the train, it's so much more relaxed. I don't have to take Dramamine as long as I sit facing forward. So the world is coming at me rather than going away from me. I don't get uh, motion sickness in trains. And um, I'll be able to get some of my class reading done during the hours on the train so that I'm not worried about it while we're actually on vacation. I might take some embroidery with me, maybe. Um, but we're also going to, uh, I've got a couple of games on my iPad that we can play together. Um, you know, the board games translated to iPad games. So mostly we'll be able to just relax. Um, and then our hotel's right down near the theater district. And my um, our business manager slash project manager kind of our administrative person in the office said to me, oh, fun, you're going on vacation. Are you going somewhere warm? And I said, well, at this time of year, warm is relative because <laughs> here at home, it's supposed to be in the single digits temperature-wise over the weekend, whereas in New York, I think it's supposed to be like mid-20s. So yeah, warm. That'll be nice. Uh, we are going to go see a couple of Broadway shows. We're going to see, I believe, well, we're definitely seeing Fiddler on the Roof, and I think the other one is American in Paris. I think are the two we're going to go see. Um, so that'll it'll just be really fun and relaxed, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so that's where I'm going to be this weekend. A um, couple of other just little things I want. Well, actually, just one little thing I want to let you know about. Hang on, i got to pause because i got to look something up quick. Okay, the other thing I wanted to let you know about was actually thanks to Susan, who's also known as Quirky Quilter on Twitter, at Quirky Quilter, uh, sent me a link to an interactive art project called Walking in Love. And it's actually just beautiful. It's a um, filmmaker, 
woman who uh, from China, uh, although it's subtitled in English, so you're able to read it. And it's about her grandmother's artwork. Her grandmother makes embroidered shoes by hand, entirely by hand. And um, she's been doing it all her life and never sells them, um, never sells the shoes, but she gives them to family and friends. It's just a really beautiful documentary. It's about five minutes, a little bit more than that. And it's part of a whole, um, like I said, an interactive art project that this documentarian is trying to start. She wants people to submit their own stories of um, artwork in uh, made with love. And so there's um, a link to her website where you can actually view the video and everything. And then she's got a Facebook page. So I'm going to post those links in the show notes to this episode and make sure you check it out. I got a little bit choked up watching the documentary. It's really just beautiful. And obviously, if you have your own submissions, you would like to give to the person that um, she has links and information, both in the documentary on her website, as well as in the Facebook page about how to do that. So um, definitely make sure you check that out. Okay, retreat updates. So I went on my retreat last weekend. I had not been sure I was going to. My name has been in for it for several months, but I kept waffling as to whether I really had the time to go. And, you know, all things considered, no, I probably didn't have the time to go, but I decided at the last minute I really needed to go. Um, partly just to be able to spend time with my sewing machine and being creative and you know working with color and shape rather than words <laughs> you know all of that good stuff um but also to spend time with friends my friend time has been really limited over the last few months and so it just felt good uh this particular retreat is hosted by a very small but really adorable local quilt shop well local also being relatively speaking, it's about an hour south of me, 45 minutes south of me. Um, and she's only open weekends. She's open like Friday night and Saturday and maybe Sundays as well, because she actually works full time at a different job. Um, but it's she's done a great job at this quilt shop. It's really wonderful. And she started a couple of years ago hosting a retreat in February. And she actually does two different weekends in February uh, this year the earlier weekend the one that we went to was a smaller retreat there weren't that many of us there maybe 15 16 all in um but she's got another one this weekend that apparently was full which is like 30 people so it's it's i think that's about 30. and frankly i like the smaller one um what it ended up being was really pretty much almost all the people i like from my quilt guild <laughs> you know um and only in our room, the, the way the retreat center is set up, this well, this particular building on this retreat center is um, there's a hallway with rooms and then an open kind of conference room meeting space and then another hallway with rooms and then another conference room open meeting space. So our retreat participants for this weekend were split between those two open rooms and in our end it was pretty much everybody from our guild there was um only well no actually i couldn't come to think that i think she is a member of our guild now there's a woman that i was going to say isn't a member of our guild but i think she decided to join our guild because she always comes to our retreats so anyway i've known her for a long time there was one woman that did join us who came to the retreat by herself and unfortunately when she went down to the other end she, when she first got there she went down to the other end 
and started to set up her stuff. And one of the women at that end told her there wasn't any room and essentially kicked her out, which was really unfortunate. That should never happen. And really their end of the room, they had plenty of space. It was just that this one woman, and I don't want to paint everybody in that room with the same brush, but this one woman just kind of wanted that end to be their people, I guess. Um, so we, of course, welcomed her down at our end. <laughs> and and fortunately, we were a little bit, I wouldn't say we were crowded. We all had plenty of space, but we didn't. We had more people in our room, which was the same size as what they had in their other room. Um, but we had had somebody who couldn't come at the last minute, so we did have a space available. And, you know, it was great. She was fine. So uh, that was, you know, kind of, I felt bad for her She's a fairly new quilter. She's older than I am, but she's only recently started quilting. And I don't think she's been more to maybe, she might've been to one other retreat beside this one. That's just a rough way to start a retreat. So we were glad to be able to welcome her at our end. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was just a really low key, easy weekend. We didn't have any programming, no retreat projects. No, we did do a little bit of a show and tell between the two ends of both uh, parts of the retreat on Sunday morning, um, right before lunch, because a lot of people were leaving around noon, myself included. Um, but other than that, it was just doing whatever we wanted to do and eating. <laughs> a lot of eating. Look at my blog post. I talked about the eating. Um, so I, I was able to get a remarkable amount of stuff done. And I never felt, you know, I wasn't trying to rush to get anything done. I just... I had two projects with me that I really wanted to get done, and I got them both done. And even at that, I felt really relaxed while I was doing it. So I, I think there really is something to be said for an unprogrammed retreat. Our guild retreats, which are the ones I keep missing because I tend to be out of town when they happen, um, there's a lot of programming that goes on. There's a silent auction that happens. There's usually a retreat project that you can choose to do or not choose to do. You know, it's not mandatory. Um, there's an opening ceremony. There's a closing show and tell. There's just stuff that happens during the week or during the weekend. And I've always enjoyed all that stuff, but I never really thought about how much time they actually take up <laughs> as, as opposed to this weekend where we didn't have any of that. And man, I got some stuff done. So that was good. Um, it started... Thursday during the day, but I didn't go down until Thursday afternoon when I was done with work, but I was totally packed so that when I finished work in the afternoon, I just jumped in my car and left um, and um, amazingly didn't leave anything significant behind except my pajamas. But, you know, we can deal with that. <laughs> I had all the rest of my clothes with me. Um, we did have one woman that came without her suitcase, which tends to happen when you're packing so much stuff for retreat and you totally forget your clothes. Um, but anyway, I got there Thursday around dinner time and just basically nested on Thursday night. First thing I did, and I said to my friends at the retreat, I said, boy, this really says something to me about my frame of mind right now, because the very first thing I did was go in and set up my bedroom. Um, you know, I, I really nested. I actually like, well, I didn't unpack my clothes, but I put my toiletries in the bathroom and I got the bed made and I had everything ready for whenever I would want to hit bed that night. I was like, boy, that says something about where I'm at mentally that the more important thing to me is that my bedroom is ready <laughs> for me than that my sewing stuff is set up. <laughs> so anyway, I got that done first. Um, and it was a small enough retreat and I had already requested of the person um, 
setting up the retreat, I'd asked if I could have my own room, and she said, oh, I, I don't think that'll be a problem. And as it turned out, several of us had our own rooms, so it was nice. Um, and there was an armchair in the room, so I was able to get some reading done through the weekend. But again, I didn't, you know, I wasn't killing myself to get a lot of reading done either. I really made myself try to just kind of relax and enjoy the weekend. Um, so after I got my room all nicely set up, and then I went and got my sewing stuff set up, um, then I just sat and did embroidery that night. I didn't actually turn on my sewing machine. I didn't get out any of my projects. I just sat and did embroidery because it was, I just needed sort of a gentle transition time. And I was, um, again, joking with my friend about, I was working on my, um, my crazy quilt embroidery block that I've been doing with beadwork. I think I worked on it for about two and a half to three hours. I got one patch done. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the slowness of embroidery is it's just zen like now I'm sure I could have pushed myself and gone a lot faster and, you know, really whipped it off, but I wasn't, that wasn't the headspace I was in. I was into slow stitching. Um, and it was really nice. The other thing I was joking about was that I have definitely learned the theory of distraction um, when it comes to embroidering. And I remember actually this came from a um, one of the craftsy machine quilting classes I took. I think it was a machine free motion quilting class, but talked about distracting the eye. If there was one part of the quilt that you didn't like so well, you just did an excellent job in kind of drawing the eye to somewhere else. <laughs> so that you're, you know, people wouldn't notice as much this part that didn't turn out the way you like. And so I did that on this particular embroidery patch. Um, I was trying to embroider a feather design and my markings kept disappearing on me and I was struggling a little bit with the thread I was using, wasn't behaving the way I would have liked it to. And so I, I had already ripped out this feather at least three times because I changed my mind about the thread I was going to use. Then I changed my mind about the stitch I was going to use. I mean, so I'd already done that. I'd already done some unembroidering on this. And so at this point, I was like, I'm just going to get this thing done. And so I did, you know, I did my embroidery and it was okay, but there were some parts of it I didn't like so well. So um, I had already had some bugle beads on the spine, but they weren't super visible. And so I decided to go in and I did more beadwork on it towards the center that sort of draws your eye away from the outside that I don't like so well. <laughs> I was like, see, all you got to do, add a little bling and it's all better. Um, so I got that. I was, I kept my embroidery with me all weekend because I thought, well, I might, you know, as a break from other stuff, decide to sit and do it again. I never actually did any more embroidery the rest of the weekend. I prepped a couple of projects, but, you know, it was enough to do it that Thursday night. Um, so I am still working on that one block. I will not, however, be bringing that particular embroidery project with me um, on the train because it all involves beads and I really don't want to be messing with beads. So I'm going to bring a different project with me there um, and just come back to that one when I get home. So the two projects I brought with me that I really wanted to, I, I keep saying finish, I didn't actually finish them, but I got them to the next significant point in their uh, phase. One of them was a block of the month my guild had done back in 2008 and it took me it sat for a couple of years because um it well basically the way this block of the month worked is we were using the book around the block judy hopkins i don't remember who the author is but around the block it's basically a collection of block designs and so um one of our 
uh, guild leaders would choose every month a block for us to do it, and then we would all just do it for ourselves. It wasn't exchange or anything. And I had only gotten about halfway through the year, if even that much, during the actual BOM itself, but I had kept the list of the blocks she had chosen every month, and I just had them all written on a piece of paper, and I'd stuck it in the bin where I had collected the fabrics I was using for this particular project. And at the time, back in 2008, was when Japanese topes were all the thing. And so I had decided I was going to do this Block of the Month project in Japanese topes. Um, and started with a couple of things I had in my stash already. But then, since it kept sitting in my um, in its bin, I would periodically add some more fat quarters uh, to the, the bin. So I ended up with quite a range of fabrics. Uh, by the time I then, in 2012, I think it was, or 13, no, it was even more than, it was 2014, I think, I finally got all of the blocks pieced, um, and then again, it sat in a bin on my shelf for a while. So I pulled that out and brought it with me this weekend, and as it turned out for that one, I had already selected sashing fabric, inner border fabric, and outer border fabric, and I had it all sitting in the bin. So all I had to do was compile <laughs> the top, finish piecing the top, put all the blocks together and do the sashing. And I did not do anything fancy with this. I didn't do anything on point. I didn't do cornerstones, anything. I did just straight sashing, straight set, straight sashing, straight inner border, straight outer border. That's all I did, kept it real simple. And so that, I got that one done Friday, and I got it done in enough time. I was done before dinner on Friday, so I spent a little time um, Friday afternoon prepping my two upcoming embroidery projects, one of which will come with me this weekend. One, it was a pattern design I'd bought from Etsy, so I just had to trace it onto linen which I did using the window during sunset. So, so my light was fading fast in my window light box. Um, and then of course I ran out of my marking pen ink in the middle of tracing it. So fortunately one of my other guild friends had a tracing pen that I could use. Um, so I did manage to get that one done. It's not the best tracing job, but I think it's good enough that I'll be able to figure out what I'm doing uh, as I'm embroidering it. But that one's just straight embroidery and probably using fairly normal floss rather than wanting my whole collection of floss with me so I can get creative in the middle of it. This one's going to be a fairly simple project. So that's the one that's probably going to come with me on the train. Um, the other one that I prepped is actually from an applique. I think it was originally done as a block of the month. And when I wrote my blog post for this and while I was at retreat, I didn't actually know where this um, this block had come from. I did later uh, research it, and it is an Adidas sitar uh, design. And it was done as a um, applique block of the month type thing, I think. It's out of a book called Seasonal Blooms. But what she did was she also provided each block as a pre-cut, pre-fused, well, the pieces are pre-fused kit. So when I, I bought this several weeks ago um, when I was at one of my local quilt shops actually dropping off my a quilt for quilting, they had only two or three of the months in a basket, but no picture of the finished quilt, no information, but it was just a basket with two or three of these block kits in it. So I chose one I liked immediately thinking, well, this will make a great embroidery background. 
And so all I had to do, it was like putting together a puzzle. All the pieces, it had the background piece of fabric in it, and then it had all the pieces already cut, and all the pieces already had the fusible on them. So all I had to do was kind of lay them out and then fuse them down. Um, I did tweak the layout a little bit, um, especially because it wasn't a block in the month. This is a standalone block, so I, I moved where the bird was, was the biggest change I made. Um, and... Okay, sorry, my daughter just came home and interrupted me. She's spending the weekend here. Anyway, um, so I got that done after I finished my uh, putting together the top of my uh, 2008 block of the month. So Friday was an extraordinarily productive day. Then Saturday, my second project that I brought with me was also, um, it was a sampler that I had gotten all the blocks done uh, 2014, I think it was, that I finished those blocks, but they were all just sitting in a bin, had not had anything done with it. For that one, though, I didn't have any of the fabric. I didn't have any sashing or border fabric, and there was a local quilt shop, well, local to where our retreat center was, um, that has a big Super Bowl weekend sale every year. Most of the course was Super Bowl weekend here in the United States. And so I decided, all right, well, I'll go to that sale to get the border fabrics. But I was a little nervous about that because I don't do well in crowds. I really don't. It's I just mentally check out. You know, I, I kind of get frustrated with trying to get at stuff. And so I was a little concerned that the place would be so crowded that I would get frustrated trying to actually find fabrics and I would just give up. Well, as it turned out, we got there right when the store opened. And it was already pretty crowded, but it was getting more crowded as we left, so we timed it well. And fortunately, I found fabrics really fast. Um, I sort of knew what I was looking for uh, for the two um, border, or for the sashing and the inner border. I kind of, I had already laid all my blocks out the night before and had talked with a couple of the other folks there about possible color choices and such. So I kind of had a game plan for that, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do for the border. I just knew what I didn't want to do. Um, so I did have to audition. I found two fabrics right away that worked really well for the, the sashing and the outer, or inner border. The outer border, I had to kind of audition two or three different bolts of fabric, but I was able to do it pretty fast um, and when we went up to get our fabrics cut there was nobody else in line so we were able to get it cut pretty quickly uh, so all in all it went fast now I did I was a little concerned that you know I had made my choices so fast it left a whole lot of room for second guessing um, but in general I do I do like it I think had I had more time would I have chosen the outer border I did I don't know, but I really like it. I mean, it really does work. I'm just not quite as excited about it as I have been about other borders in the past, but still, it worked. And then when I was actually assembling it, so we got back, oh, around 11 o'clock, I think, um, that morning. So I had it all assembled by dinner time that night. It Again, I kept everything simple. I was just doing straight sashing straight borders. I didn't put anything on point. I didn't do any cornerstones. However, the one adjustment to my plan I did is I knew I wanted to have an inner border um, that would sit between the sashing and the outer border, but I didn't want it to be 
a wide one. I didn't want it to be the same width as the sashing. I just really wanted a narrower border accent. And so as I was making my decisions, I had already cut all my pieces. And then I decided, you know what I really want to do is a flange. So uh, the woman whose sewing machine was right next to mine has done flanges before. I, I knew in theory how to do it, but I'd never actually done one. And I knew it wasn't going to be hard. But again, there were just a couple of little things. I was like, okay, well, how do I deal with the corners, etc. And so she kind of made sure I didn't go horribly awry. But it was very easy to put that flange on there. And it looked perfect. That was exactly the right touch. Um, it's just a nice little narrow accent of color and because it's a flange it gives it a little bit of textural accent. So I do like the way that works. The only problem with having the flange on there is I had originally thought I would just send both of these quilts out to a long armor and have them do an overall pantograph um, just to get them done. But with the flange on there that makes it a little harder to do an overall pantograph because then you're working around the flange. Um, and then I decided, you know, I might just do these on my own. So I don't know. Now they're sitting there on my stack of quilts to be quilted. Uh, so they're not exactly finished, but at least they are. I already uh, dismantled the bins. They're no longer in their bins. All the leftover fabric has been put away uh, or, you know, set aside to use for the binding, etc. So they are ready for whatever that next step might be. Um, and then because I finished that one around dinner time I had Saturday night and I knew I would probably spend a little time on Sunday morning before I went home. So I had thrown in at the last minute just a few options for impulse projects and I chose one of them was another zipper bag, um, pouch bag, and it's one of Annie Unrhine's designs from buyannie.com. It's her Diddy bag, which the pattern comes uh, with instructions for three different sizes. I did the medium size because that's the one I had the right amount of um, soft and stable by Annie's soft and stable left. And, you know, it's a, a, it's a cute design. It's a relatively easy one to put together. The zipper thing is not a problem for me anymore. Got the zippers down. Um, so the only thing that was a little bit tricky is the way you kind of finish the assembly of it because then you've got some stuff sewing together and you're trying to get other stuff to match it up correctly. Um, the only thing I don't think I would do if I do this pattern again, which I could see myself doing, again, it was a pretty easy pattern to do, is she has you um, optionally putting a binding, a bias binding, on the seams of the interior. And I did it this time just to make myself do it, <laughs> but I don't, I really don't think I'd bother doing that next time. It wasn't that hard. But there were a couple of parts of it that were a little bit tricky, and it's just an extra step that's really not necessary because it's on the inside. And frankly, I don't really care what the inside looks like. So it would have been just as easy to zigzag stitch around the outsides and call it a day. Um, I will say, however, once again, I love her soft and stable, um, whatever you call it, stabilizer, foamy stuff that goes in the middle. So if you have not tried buyannie.com soft and stable, you need to try it. Um, yeah, it's a little bit pricey, but man, it's good stuff. I really like it. So um, another, just a little side area of interest that I did this week is I did decide to join the Embroiderers Guild of America. I joined as a member at large because um, you pay so much as a member of large at large. And then if you join a local chapter, there's also local chapter dues. And I just don't know that I'm ever going to get to a local chapter meeting right now. There is one not too far from me, probably a half hour drive. 
at, that they meet once a month on a Monday evening. Um, but I haven't even made it to my quilt guild in the last four months. So the you know possibility that I could make it to a new embroiderer's guild is slim to none at this stage. So I just joined a as a member at large. Um, I don't quite know what it'll do for me at this point, but I decided it was worth a, a try, especially because their annual fee starts like in May is when their year turns over, May or June or something. So I just had to pay the prorated annual fee. Um, so it was like 12 bucks <laughs> for the rest of the year. I was like, Sh I could do that. Um, and I was pretty impressed. I did get a mailing from them within a couple of days. They must have gotten my membership fee in the next day, put stuff in the mail to me. And it was hand addressed envelope. Um, and what they sent me, they do have a magazine that goes out, I think, four times a year. So they sent me a copy of the magazine, but it was an old one from 2007. So it's hard for me to judge whether I would like the new one. It, it wasn't it wasn't what I'd hoped it would be. I think it would be an interesting magazine. I mean, I'll probably bring it with me this weekend. It's very article. It's very, very text heavy, lighter on images than I would have liked in an embroidery magazine. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I will read it and we'll see whether I decide that's something worth continuing with. Um, the thing I wanted to talk about just a little bit is the whole question of border fabric and whether you choose it before or after, because I have discovered in myself that I've changed on this. Back when I first started quilting, I think I almost, it, it, probably not always, but pretty regularly started with the border fabric. I'd find a fabric I absolutely loved and then I would choose my colors based on that and I would kind of build the rest of the quilt around that border fabric. Now I'm finding that that rarely happens and usually what I do is do a quilt and then I decide what the border is going to be and I take the quilt with me to the quilt shop and I find the border that's going to pull everything together and you know what? I love doing that because it's such a wonderful, almost a sense of surprise <laughs> when you find that perfect border. I actually get a physical reaction. Um, you know, I, I can, I almost get a chill when I find the right border fabric. And that's the only thing when I was saying, I, I'm not sure I would have chosen this fabric that I did this weekend because I did it so quickly is I never got the chill. I could look at it and say, yeah, that one's good. It works. It's interesting. It's all the things I would look for in a border fabric, but I didn't get the physical reaction to it that I normally get when I find what I know is absolutely the right border fabric. Um, so I, I just, I find that really interesting and I'd be interested to get your input on how you do your borders. Do, the, do you do them first or do you do them afterwards or do you mix it up? I mean, because again, I wouldn't say that I would always now never buy the border fabric first. Still, there's going to be those times when you see a fabric and just love it and decide to build a quilt around it. Um, I just, it was just interesting when I noticed this trend in myself that now I very rarely work in that direction and more often I'm doing the center first. Now, the other difference on this, of course, is if you're a big fan of pieced, scrappy type borders. I haven't done too many of those. I've done a couple. Um, but for the most part, I'm doing kind of a basic fabric border. Now, part of that's because I don't do quilts with borders all that often anymore. I've been doing a lot more art quilts and such. So borders have not been as much a part of my life lately. Uh, but when I do a border, it's definitely now that I'm creating the quilt first and then I'm going to find the border 
And, you know, I've read one of the books I read for my, um, for school, I actually found myself thinking about quilt borders when I did it. There's a book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, he's a very well-known, you know, corporate leadership type writer and his books are good. I highly recommend them. But the one Blink um, talks about making fast dis uh, decisions, kind of basically trusting your gut, but he talks about uh, the examples he uses and everything are actually that you can trust your gut because you've learned and studied and you have all of this experience going into that decision. You're just not aware of all of that at the time. You're not deliberating purposefully. You're having a gut reaction, a gut decision, but it's based on all of this that's gone before. And he, he refers to it as thin slicing. In other words, you may have all this information at your disposal, but generally speaking, your best decisions and his theory are going to come when you thin slice, when you just look at one part of that information or when you just go with that gut momentary decision and don't, don't waffle, don't spend time agonizing over all the rest of the details. Um, so basically it is a gut reaction, but it's a trained gut reaction. And I, I've wondered about that. Again, when I look at how my attitude towards borders on my quilts has changed over the years, because now I've done so much study on color, so much study on design, that I think I trust myself more to be able to find the perfect border fabric after I've got the quilt done than what I did when I first started, when I was more concerned about, well, I need to start from the border fabric and pull my colors from that, because that's the only way I'll make sure I don't go wrong. Um, it, it's just, it's a it's an interesting thing when you sit back and notice what you're doing <laughs> and realize that what you're doing is different from the way you used to do it. And why is that? Um, so talk to me, you know, give me some feedback on that. Are you a border first quilt later person or are you a quilt first border later person? And if so, why do you think that's, or have you changed over the time? Um, you know, it was a matter of me being able to think through what is it I needed to accomplish with a border and what border would do that? What fabric would do that right? And that all came out of, you know, training and consideration and then being able to make that gut reaction. Cause I'll tell you, when I was at that quilt shop, I had about 10 seconds to make a decision about a bolt of fabric because then five people would move between me and that bolt. <laughs> so it had to be a fast decision. And, you know, I'm sitting here looking at it now as I'm recording this episode because it's hanging up on my on my very overweighted rack of quilts that have to be quilted. Um, and I, I can still look at it and say, yeah, you know, it works. It really does work. Again, it's not my favorite quilt in general. I think that's part of it. It's not my colors. But I think the person who's going to get it will like it. So the border itself works. And that was that thin slicing that that Malcolm Gladwell talks about in his book Blink, that I was able to stand in a very crowded quilt shop in a five second period and say, yes, that works. No, that one doesn't. You know, it went fast. So talk to me about borders and and how you approach choosing border fabrics and whether, you know, again, do you make decisions? Do you agonize over them? Um, have you read Blink? <laughs> All right, that's it uh, for this episode. I am not going to do uh, listener feedback right now because um, I need to get going. But uh, I will hopefully, like I said, next week, I should have more time to kind of go through stuff. I do have an awful lot of listener comments because it's been a while. Um, 
so I may not be able to do an immediate talk back to all of them, uh, but I do at least want to give a shout out to everybody who has uh, commented over the last few weeks. Meanwhile, um, you know how you can get a hold of me to send me even more comments that I include next time. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter or Pinterest or Flickr, any of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. I am also Sandy Quilts on Craftsy, although you can't search for users still. Um, you can friend me on Goodreads. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you will find links for all of those things on my website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 